Blog Talk Radio. Morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to Hope for Today. My name is Naja E. Brown, your host, and we thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry, and our hope and prayer for our listening audience is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime, and you can reach us through our website at yieldtothekingministry.org. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Today's episode is entitled Battling Spiritual Warfare with Full Armor. And the promotional material reads, There is a truth that sets us free. One truth, Jesus the Christ, that gives strength to all other truths. And since the key truth is a person, not a thing, our freedom is found in our relationship with the person, Jesus, the Son of God. Our victory is in him. It doesn't matter what angle or approach Satan uses. Christ will already be there. The enemy has been defeated. Christ wins the spiritual battles, and he has won the war. Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 38, and this is the New International Version, says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Battling spiritual warfare with full armor. I've been in a prayer revival for probably, oh, I'd say the past three months at my church. We had a thorough Bible study of the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, which is known as the longer version within the Sermon on the Mount. And then as a result of this ongoing study, I've added to my toolkit a better understanding of number one, the real battle, and number two, God fights for us. So what is the real battle? The answer is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And that passage reminds us, listen to this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, the fight is not against governments or people, companies, you know, our bosses or our coworkers or other circumstances. The real battle is unseen. Our battle is our struggle in prayer. Consider this. Because there is power in prayer, we can pray for the souls of unbelievers, We can pray for forgiveness when we've been done wrong or or we have done wrong to others. We can pray for peace in fearful circumstances. We can pray for holiness when sin tempts. We can pray for joy when sorrow comes. And we can pray for trust when doubts crowd our thinking. The question is, do we believe that we can battle for the hearts of those around us? as we fight for them in prayer, and 
We battle for ourselves as we bring opinions and arguments in line with the knowledge of God. We have been given all that we need to wage war against the enemy. We have the full armor of God. Listen to what Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. This is the New American Standard Bible. Listen to what it says. Verse 10 starts off. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, 15 says, and having strapped your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18 says, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and every request for all the saints. Let me just say the enemy is real and he knows what he is doing. I don't like to give the enemy credence, but he's constantly working against God. So we need to be aware of what his game plan is. I want to set the stage for this episode and unpack this a bit with some definitions. Definitions are always good because you'll hear words and then you'll be able to see and and find out what the root word is and then the uh, word that may sound the same or have a similar meaning. But let's start off with spiritual. Pneumatology. Pneumaticos, pneumaticos, it's a Greek word. It always connotes the ideas of invisibility and of power. The word does not appear in the Septuagint or in the Gospels. It's an after Pentecost word, pneumaticos, pneumaticos, spiritual. Let's look at the word warfare. It's a Greek word, stratia. It primarily is kind of represents a host or an army. And it kind of denotes a warfare and is used of spiritual conflict. I'm going to rattle off a few other scriptures that you may want to jot down and look up in your own time. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, and also 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Warfare, strategia. Our spiritual warfare is with the enemy. And so who is this enemy? In Genesis 3, chapter 3, verse 15, the word enmity is used when the serpent appeared on the scene. Here's what the scripture says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Enmity comes from the root word enemy. The Greek word in the New Testament, Testament commonly rendered enemy and is derived from the same root. The Lord specifically designates Satan as the enemy. And that can be found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 25 and 28. 
all men outside of Christ are enemies of God. And the carnal man is at enmity with God. That's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Let's take a look at Satan. Satan, some people may pronounce it. Satan, also known as the enemy, the adversary, accuser, thief, father of lies, and devil. The Greek word satanus was derived from the Aramaic word and the Hebrew word Satan. Satan is an adversary of God in Christ and his people and of all mankind. Believers are assured of victory over him, according to Romans chapter 16, verse 20. Let's take a look at the devil, Greek word, diabolos. He is an accuser, a slanderer, to accuse, to malign. He is one of the names, uh, diabolos is one of the names of Satan. Being the malignant enemy of God and man, he accuses man to God. He is known as Lucifer, the accuser, the devil, the prince of power, and he seeks to devour. So what are the tactics of the enemy? Well, he came to kill, steal, and destroy. We know that for sure. And Satan will grip and twist our minds and bend the truth. He will trip us up through our body. For example, accidents. We may have accidents, tempting sensations, or some sort of illness. He instigates man to sin and tempts man to do evil. He encourages by deception. And since his appearing in Genesis 3, chapter 3, verse 1, he has continued in his craftiness. There are many, many ways for him to get to us. The catch is God knows his children better than we know ourselves. And that's a blessing and a comfort. The enemy can't convince God to abandon us when we fall into sin. We will suffer consequences, but we belong to him, to God the Father, and he will keep us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39 read, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 36 says, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered to be a sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37 says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's the truth that sets us free, and our freedom is in our relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the person who is one with God. 
Christ is the one who defeated the enemy at the cross, not only his death and burial, but also through his resurrection by the power of God. He won the war. Death no longer has its sting. Our physical bodies are laid to rest, but our spirits will live with Christ for all eternity. And that's a promise for every believer in relationship with Christ. Now that we've talked about what is the real battle, let's talk about God fights for us. We do not fight alone. We face natural disasters and physical struggles that threaten our homes, families, finances, our country, and more. Has it ever occurred to you that the unseen battle fought by the spiritual forces of evil is far bigger than the visible battle? God is fighting for us, just as he did for Daniel and Joseph. The encouragement Moses shared with the Israelites can encourage us today. This is Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 through 14, New International Version. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, the New American Standard Bible says, for, we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Verse 5 says, we are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to obedience of Christ. In Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 19, the New International National Version says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I know, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Verse 19 says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. In conclusion, Christ fought for us on the cross and he won. His death and resurrection paid the price for our sins. And because of his wounds, we are healed. He continues to fight for us today in our physical struggles and in our unseen world of arguments and ideas. We can answer with Romans 8:31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And with that, may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks. God bless you.